0: Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. Just reading the scriptures, and before it gets into Luke's account on the Ascension, today's Ascension Sunday, and we look at the significance, the meaning of 40 days after Easter and before the ascension took place, we see this commandment really to the disciples, to the apostles, before his ascension would take place. And you know it, you've heard it. He says in Luke 23 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry, everybody say, tarry, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I love what. The definition of tarry is. We don't use that a lot today, like, oh, why don't you just tarry, right? But here in the commentary, I think this is so, if we can be attentive to this, I believe it'll bless somebody today. But it says this to tarry literally means to sit down and is an instruction not only to stay in a place, but hear this, but also to take rest and prepare attentively before a great and difficult task. You ever ran into a great and difficult task and wish you would have prepared attentively before you went into it? You see, Jesus knew what they were about to enter into when he would leave, when he would send the Holy Spirit, that they had to tarry, they had to prepare attentively. And I believe as a church, we look into our future and we see great days ahead, corporately speaking. But this is a time of tearing. We've been talking a lot about sitting at Jesus' feet. We sing it today that there's, I'm caught up in the presence of Jesus. There's nothing more than I want from you. I don't need your blessing. I don't need the stuff. I don't need, you know, the fanfare, all of these things. I just want him. But as Christians, even as you sit today when we teach the scripture, You're sitting in a place of tearing. You're not sitting to fall asleep. You're not sitting just to rest and, you know, before you go about your week or day. You're sitting attentively. This is important because when you come into God's house, it's not to be lackadaisical. It's not to be lazy, slothful. It's not just to be, I'm in church today. No, I'm coming to tarry because I know when I walk out of the church, there is a great and difficult task, whether it's raising your children whether it's loving your enemies whether it's forgiving quickly and freely and consistently outside of the walls of the church is our mission field and the mission field is a great and difficult task somebody say amen but here's the joy is we don't do it alone he doesn't just command us and then say up up and away i go but he sends his spirit to undo us to empower us and today before we get into the holy spirit there's this forgotten day, the ascension, this memorial that makes everything that happens starting it um, Holy Thursday into Good Friday into Easter Sunday, now Ascension Sunday, these some 40 days. It culminates it, it brings it all together and it brings a fullness and a richness that I believe will encourage you because he leaves no details out. And we're to not just look at these scriptures but we're to engage with them and they're to engage with you and the ascension is where jesus currently is resting where he is where he's tearing waiting to come and to get his church let's pray father we thank you today for what you're going to do we lift our hands in expectation in surrender and yieldedness to jesus today We thank you, Lord, that we are going to tarry this morning as we open the scriptures, as we look at the importance of the ascension. God, that you teach us throughout the word of there's times you've got to descend and there's times you ascend. There's no crown without a cross. So Jesus, teach us in the place of our lives where we need to descend in lowliness and humility to serve, to care, to love. To give, to be generous when it doesn't make sense. Because it's in those places, it says that He opposes the proud, but that's where grace is given to the humble. So, Jesus, we descend in our hearts today and say, Lord, have your way, not our will, but yours be done. Make us like Jesus. We thank you that the Lord is risen, He is alive. And as we lift our hands, We thank you, Jesus, that you endue us with power as we tarry, as we wait and prepare attentively for the hard tasks that lie ahead. We trust you, Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Bless you, you may be seated to tarry today. It was a beautiful time of worship and even a better time for all the ladies that were blessed yesterday of wonderful time of fellowship and the word and worship. And so thankful when we can set aside these times to um, allow you to not be on a crunch schedule. You know, that's always the thing about Sundays. You know, you have volunteers loving and serving kids and holding babies, screaming babies sometimes. So you always got that in the back of your head. But when your husbands keep and your grandparents, whoever keep your kids. Then, ladies, you can come and you don't got to worry about nothing. It's just you and Jesus. And sometimes those those days are needed um, to rest. But believe in that um, the things that the Lord spoke and um, are going to continue to come to fruition uh, in your life. Uh, but it's a wonderful day, and this is really the the um, the. Descent of the series on Jesus. We've been in this some close to three months, and we've been looking at the resurrectionals of where Jesus walked um, for some forty days. And there's nine unique gospel accounts speaking of what Jesus in his resurrect, re- resurrected body, what he did, what he revealed, and what he taught. Uh, you'll see yesterday where um, there was a, a powerful moment where communion was served. Uh, at the prayer breakfast, and the scripture you'll see there um, on the communion banner is um, that of the road to Emmaus, where there, Jesus opened the scriptures. It says that he, um, as he opened them, their hearts began to burn, and then he served the bread, and he served Um, the wine, they had uh, communion, the meal of Thanksgiving in the Greek known as the Eucharist. So they had a a, a time of Thanksgiving, and as the meal was served, it says Jesus uh, disappears, but he left behind them with a holy heartburn, that the word would burn in their heart. And when you are a Spirit-filled Christian, when you are a follower of Christ, filled with the Spirit, there should be a burning in your heart. You don't read the Scriptures passively. You don't read the Scriptures just um, for a study. But it should create some burning in you, not just for the sake to burn. You'll see in the Gospel account that Lisa read in Acts. What did the angels say to them as they gazed at the ascended Christ? Why are you gazing here? You're, You're missing the point here. And many times we can get caught up in his presence in a gaze, and you have to have the gaze, but the gaze should then push you into mission, Push you into doing what Jesus commands us to do. You'll see in that account as well that he had left the apostles with commandments, not suggestions, but he had left them with commandments, and the same he does with us. But we know we can't fulfill, keep the commandments without the Spirit of, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So you can't be a Christian trying to do everything in your own strength, but you're depleted and void of the Holy Spirit because it will not work. You'll be frustrated and you'll miss the fullness of what Jesus wants to do. But when we think of the ascension, you many times get this picture in your mind that Jesus goes up, up, and away, and he's distant. He is not um, engaged in my life anymore. Maybe you said a, a sinner's prayer once, and that's where Jesus got involved, and then there's kind of this distant relationship between you and him. And if you're not careful, you'll miss the point of what the ascension uh, represents and what it means. If you study this out closely, you would see that the ascension is mentioned all throughout um, the New Testament and in places in the Old Testament. One point of scripture I want you to see is Ephesians 4, 8 through 11. As Paul speaks of this to the church of Ephesus, it says, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, this is speaking of the Easter message, It says that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first had to descend? Where did he descend? Into the lower parts, into the belly of the earth, into Hades, into hell, took the keys of death. We know this happened on Saturday in between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. So he descended into the belly of the earth, into the lower parts of the earth, And it says, he who descended is also the one who ascends far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, fill all things. things. This is how he teaches us, and this is his heart for us, is he wants to fill all areas of your life. And he demonstrates to us is he didn't just fill presently in the earth or just in the place of the Father, but he goes all the way into the belly of the earth and he fills hell, and he takes every key that the enemy has. He destroys death by death on the cross, and it speaks of one cannot ascend to the Father if he didn't first descend from the Father. So understand the ascension in this way, is it is a holy homecoming of Jesus. Think of it in this light as well as we have Memorial Day coming up. There's no, if you've seen the videos of when, Um, our soldiers return home after a tour or after whatever their mission looks like, and they've been away from their families and their kids, and um, dad shows up in his uh, military uniform to one of their kids' schools, and they don't know he's coming. You guys seen these videos before? And you see the shock and awe and the joy when dad comes home and is done with his tour. This is similar of what Jesus is doing, is it's his homecoming, uh, back to the right hand of the Father. And he brings everything he did in his body, in the crucifixion, in being the sacrifice once and for all for our sins, it, it, he now brings this blood sacrifice and gives it to the Father. Um, history, tradition, theologians would say even in the account of Mary Magdalene, we've preached on this in this series, is that he would, was actually in process of finishing descending, And when Mary Magdalene sees Jesus at the tomb and mistakes him for a gardener, uh, she goes to want to embrace him, and Jesus replies to to Mary and says, Don't cling to me yet. I have not yet ascended. So you'll see the importance of this is that in these 40 days, in these interactions before his ascension, it was to prepare them as they tarry for the difficult task ahead. That's why doubting Thomas was turned into a man full of faith. That's why Peter, who was full of shame, was restored, is that he went into these places of shame, he went into these places of, of confusion, and he brought clarity, and he began preparing them for the great and difficult task ahead. So in this ascension, you see kind of two rubrics at play here. And the two rubrics you see are, uh, one, he's teaching them uh, about the coming kingdom, and two, he's giving them robust, rich theology about what is actually taking place here. So God, uh, or Jesus, when he uh, ascends, he ascends outside of time. And when you think of being outside of time, this is known as eternity, And being in eternity, it's not bound to the barriers and um, the boundaries of us being in present time. Aren't you thankful that Jesus, who in his body on earth, was bound in time, but now as he has ascended, he is outside of time in eternity, where Jesus could minister, and his body could only minister in Galilee, and where Jesus was, that's as far as he could go. But now he's everywhere filling all things. So this is amazing. This is why Jesus had to ascend. And I want you to see this. Is Jesus, and we'll see this in Mark's account because there's different gospel accounts that give different insight into what Jesus is doing, and it's even placed in the book of Acts like we saw today. Um, But we'll see Jesus giving the great commission. So he's giving them the great commandment of going into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, he's giving direction. And when we think of Jesus and his ascension, what's the picture a lot of us have? And Hebrews tells us this, that he's seated where? At the right hand of the Father. So many times, if we're not careful, we get this picture in our mind that Jesus is reclining, lounging at the right hand, saying, I've done my job. My hands are clean. It's you and the Holy Spirit now. Figure it out. But Jesus you got to understand this, that sitting at the right hand, the allegory and symbolism here is that it is a place of authority, shared authority with his father. So Jesus is the chief priest, the great priest who is directing his church at the right hand of the father. Jesus is over all affairs. All things go through his hands. And this should give us great faith and encouragement that Jesus is ruling. He is reigning. He is over everything. He is involved in all things. And it's amazing because you see in the relationship of the Father and the Son that they're the ones collectively, the Father and the Son, Jesus, send us the Holy Spirit, that they enlist him into our lives so we can have power, victory, authority, gifts as we've read. We can walk in fruit, and we can fulfill and obey the commandments of Jesus, and they not be burdensome, but they be full of life and freedom and freedom and teach us how to truly be who God's created us to be. So we see this as you go to uh, Christmas. You've got to see the calendar and how things move into the ascension here. We have at Christmas, or what we would understand is the incarnation. What does the incarnation mean? It means God takes on a body, Emmanuel, and he what? He dwells with us. So God takes on a body at the incarnation, and in that body he dwells with us, On Holy Thursday, which is when he has his last supper with his disciples, it says that Jesus gives that same body in the meal of Thanksgiving known as the Eucharist or Holy Communion. On Good Friday, Jesus sacrifices that body, his body, for us on the what? On the cross. And on Easter Sunday, Jesus rises from the dead in that body. So you've got to see in Jesus' body, through from Christmas to Holy Thursday to Good Friday and to Easter Sunday, there is a work that is being done, and it's in the ascension that it all culminates, and uh, divinity and humanity are united, and now a glorified body is seen, and Jesus paves the way for our glorified body, for our resurrected body, he opens the heavens to where death is no longer defeat and destruction and diabolical, but it is simply a doorway to go and be with Jesus. So you can see what Jesus, the work he's doing in his body. And Jesus, uh, what we see is the greatness of his priesthood and his sacrifice and, and what he presents before the Father, and that his priesthood has not passed away. It has not ended, but he is still praying for you. Aren't you thankful Jesus is not just praying, he is interceding. And if you've ever seen the difference between a prayer and an intercessor, there is a difference. So he is interceding for you. Look at what Hebrews 7, 24 through 25 says. It talks about the greatness of our high priest, who is Jesus. If you put this up, it says, but he, because he continues forever, He has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he also is able to save to the uttermost of those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Somebody say amen. He is praying for you. He is interceding for you. He's interceding for the prodigals in your life. He's interceding for the broken places in your life and saying if you can just get to the body of Jesus, if you can get to the blood of Jesus, if you can receive his salveic healing work, then there is hope for you. There is life for you. And it's found in no other thing or no other person other than Jesus. This is how good he is in his ministry to us in the here and now. Don't you love in the Ascension as well and, and how the um, early church iconography that would be theology and color because you gotta understand for um, several centuries, the early church did not have the scriptures because the scriptures were being written by John, by Matthew, by all the different ones. So they would uh, put together theology and color, which they would call the icons because they were illiterate. They couldn't uh, read collectively in their gatherings. So you would be lucky to even have a, a, a scroll that a, a, a pastor or a priest could read. So you would see the, the beauty of these icons communicating and depicting robust, rich theology. And if you were to see the, the icon that was depicted of the ascension, Jesus, as he is ascending in the cloud, you wouldn't be able to tell if he's going up or if he's coming down. And this is important because, as the Scripture says in Acts, that in the same way he went up is the same way he is coming back. So he's com- the, the Scripture in the early church is communicating a message is that as you're watching me go up, And what did the scripture say? We're not supposed to just always be looking for the seasons and the times. And and many times it's easy to get caught up in always saying, When is Jesus coming back? If you got here early and you parked your car at church, if like mine, there was a pamphlet put on by somebody walking through the church parking lot depicting about 50 scriptures of why Jesus is coming back in about a year. This was on my truck after church. So we're going to correct a few things today. Um, Nobody knows the day or time, nobody knows the season. And Jesus is communicating that it can be easy to get caught up in how's this going to happen, where's that going to happen, and we have a healthy understanding of these things, but at the end of the day, you've got to keep your focus on him, on the mission, and not just get caught up in the gaze, and not just get caught up in the, in, in the realm or in limbo of just being, um, like one church father said, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And sometimes, if you're inclined to be more spiritual, this is a hard thing to swallow. But at the end of the day, your faith walk, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith, but faith should always manifest into the here and now to create change in your family, to make Jesus stronger, brighter, uh, more real in your life. And so we see this, and we see what Jesus is doing and that this sacrifice that he is ascending with to bring to the Father is an outpouring and it is a fulfillment of ultimate love. And it's understanding that in this, when we would gather together, the early church would understand it this way. That when the church would gather, it would be as though heaven and earth collide and it's this beautiful kiss of what's happening, of Jesus' presence. It's like Lisa, she said, when you can feel the sweet presence of the Lord, it's, it's like you're getting a glimpse of something. And there should be a glimpse when we gather together. If there's not a glimpse, we're doing something wrong. We're not coming with um, absolute trust. We're not coming with faith. And these are important things if we want to grow in um, understanding what Jesus is doing and how he's directing, and how he's leading. So we see, once again, in Hebrews, it says we've got to hold fast to our confession. You know, the enemy is after your confession. He's after your heart. He's after um, what you put your faith in, what you put your trust in. He's out to diminish it, devalue it, get you questioning. And here's the thing, Jesus is not, um, Jesus is not, in the place of where if you have questions, if you need answers, uh, we sing it this morning, when you seek the Lord, he's going to answer you. But many times we want answers without seeking him because that takes work. That takes time. And I can't give you my time with the Lord. You can't give your time with the Lord with me. It's got to go be bought on your own time. You got to go get the oil for yourself. So Hebrews 10 says this, verse 19. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you thankful that because of what Jesus has done, we now can have boldness to come to him, to approach him. We don't linger in shame. We don't run in fear I think one of the biggest lies is that when I've screwed up, when I've messed up, I run from the church instead of running to the church. I I run from the altar because I think it's a place of shame versus running to the altar where I find grace, healing, mercy, and forgiveness. So it says we've got to have boldness by what Jesus has done. And it says in verse 20, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Hear this, this is important, verse 22. It says, let us draw near and with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So what this is saying here is that because of Jesus' ascension, bringing his ascended body, his crucified body, his incarnate body, his body given in the meal of thanksgiving, his resurrected body, bringing that body that is now ascended and glorified, it now gives us access to the Father. It opens up what in Jewish culture, they had to get the scapegoat and kill the the goat behind the veil, bring it out, and then the the rabbi or priest would, would then sprinkle the blood on the people. You don't need animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus' glorified sacrifice is once and for all a perpetual yes of fulfillment of love sitting at the right hand of the Father, that we can now have boldness because of what Jesus has done. But here's the thing is, I think many of us know that, yes, Jesus died, yes, his sacrifice gives me this access, and we clap and we applaud and we celebrate that we have access, but my encouragement, my challenge to you is, what do you do with the access, I think many of us know we have it, but we never go into it. We never use it. You know, I think of how exciting or grateful you are when you have access. And, and just thinking of Pastor Joyce, the many years of being a kid here at ZCA, a, a student and her office being close by, and you know, knowing she would have appointments and meetings. And I always knew that I had access just to come into her office she loved me I was her grandson and yes sometimes I'd probably abuse it I needed to slip away out of the line and and um, we'd figure that out between her and the teacher but uh, at the end of the day I know that I had access to her because she was my grandma she was my pastor and there's something um, exciting when you know you have access or maybe you have access and somebody else doesn't have access Todd just showed me that he put himself in the lottery for some PGA championship tickets coming to Louisville next year. He might have access that none of us else have to go to a PGA golf tournament next year. So we're gonna be coming for that access, and we're gonna be praying for that access because those are hard tickets to get. But many of us, we're thankful that we have access, but we don't steward it right. We don't steward it well. We... um, We handle it flippantly. And this is what the scripture is saying is, okay, great, we draw near, but we have to do it with a heart that is full of assurance of faith. And then it says, having our hearts, if you put verse 22 back up, it says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So if we have access, we have to use it. And I'm telling you today, if you will use what Jesus has given you, that's where the game changer is. This is where then he's done his part. Our part now is to draw near, to draw close, and to understand how do we operate it? How do we use it? And when you do, you experience its effects, and you experience his mercy of how it restores you, how it reconciles you and how it makes you new when you've fallen short because we all do. Mark 16 says this. I want you to see this. This is where we get another portal into the ascension. We see this great commission, this great commandment to the church. This is what we're living out today. This is why we labor to have Christian education because it's a part of the Great Commission. This is why we labor to keep the doors open of the church and to do it in excellence, because he commissions us to. This is why we forgive. This is why we love. This is why we do what we do, even when it costs you something, because Jesus commands it. But you can't just look at the the one-dimensional command, because without understanding what Jesus has now done in his ascension, and then next week, it is Pentecost Sunday, and then the giving of the Holy Spirit, then you're operating in one dimension and you will fall flat on your face every time. Many Christians, they operate one dimensionally when he wants you to be three dimensionally. He wants you to, to know the power of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it says this, it says in verse 14, it says, later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Don't you love that, Jesus, when he comes with the rebuke? Of unbelief and hardness of heart. Thank you, Jesus. He does that though because he loves us. It says, Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Here it is go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. This is usually where we get a little rowdy. It says, In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So in this, now Christ's ascension, verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and they preached everywhere. I want you to see this right here, though, because this is the game changer if you want effective ministry from your home to your children to your workplace because many times we do it backwards so it says they preached everywhere but how did they preach it says that the lord working with them with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs see many times we go out without him thinking that he's pushing us or sending us into something i've been i've been in in places where it's like, oh, I thought the Lord was sending me here. I thought he was leading me in this. But I, hindsight then says, I think I did this without him. Anybody been there before? Well, what you see here is, he says, if it's going to be effective, he never sends you out without himself. And many times when we think dangers on the other side, many times, yes, we're tearing because there is a great and difficult task ahead. He never does it without sending himself with you. So where I'm trying to get you today and what I'm trying to get you to see is you have no reason not to have confidence that Christ is with you. But again, as we spoke of last week, he is not bound and holds the condition to just the curious. He reveals himself to the faithful. So as you go out, there has to be faithfulness now so that you have confidence when you go there. This is the difference, and this is where many times we can miss it But the scripture says, it says the Lord was working with them. I don't know about you, but I never want to minister. I never want to preach. I never want to raise my children, uh, love my spouse without him. And can we just make it normal where we inquire of the Lord more? Where we trust him more? Where we go to him with an assurance of faith and, and robust trust in him? These are the things that have been going through my head this week but we know we don't have to do this alone. And Jesus adds these, really some extra weight as we read in Acts and as we see what the commandment was is that he gives a commandment. And we all know, as we talked of last week too, if we love him, it's not just in word, but it's in how we obey him. This is the fruit of our obedience, the fruit of our confession, our works here and now should be in following His commandments. not out of being legalistic, not this heavy yoke you have to carry, but it is a joy to obey Him because we love Him. If it feels like a burden, it's because it's a love issue, not a commandment issue. And we gotta get our love right with Him that He first loved us, or we're gonna get everything out of order, it's gonna be a hot mess, and your theology is gonna crash. So we've gotta be aware of this and understand of what the ascension brings into our lives. And I want you to see Luke 24 and then we're gonna take some time to have communion together as a family today. Seth and Bree, if you would join me. Luke 24, verse 50, the account says this. It says, and he led them out as far as Bethany. And it says that he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Aren't you thankful that before Jesus left that he blessed them? And this same blessing that he blessed them with, he blesses you with today. It says, now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And look what they did. They had a worship service. So it says that some were gazing, as we've read. It says then they worshiped him, and and as they worshiped him, they then had... I believe, fresh vision to now go and tarry and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So it says they returned to Jerusalem with what? With joy. It says, and they were continually in the temple praising God and blessing God. This is a picture of what a spiritual life is, is that there's this continuation of praising God, blessing God, being on mission, following the great co-mission. It is a co-mission not just a mission; it's a co-mission. Many times we say mission trips; they should be co-mission trips because we do it with Him, and uh, we never want to go on mission, on co-mission without Him. And we see this so clearly today that Jesus gives us access, but then He shines the light back on us: of what are we doing with it? Do we handle it flippantly? Paul talks about in, in Corinthians, before you partake of the body and blood of Jesus, that if you have unforgiveness in your heart, go and make it right. And when you look in the time and place of that, um, it would be in the context of of Passover and in a season of Passover, when you would travel in by a two weeks journey with your kids, um, with your sacrifice, and uh, what you would with Paul saying this here is if you had to go make something right, then that means you then had to turn around, take another two-week journey, go home, make what you needed to make be made right, and then come back. That this wasn't something flippantly you handled. So if you're in that place before you um, celebrated the Passover, before you made the journey with your kids, kind of like we do with vacations, right? You never go into a vacation with three, four, five kids and not have your ducks in a row. <laughs> we've been there before. It's not fun. Um, But you want to make sure that you have your heart prepared. And I think many times we take of the Lord's body and his blood flippantly. And Paul speaks of this, that we're not to do it this way. And this is why I always give a moment before we take communion, that we just check our hearts, that we say, I forgive that person, that Jesus, you're this eternal sacrifice as you're at the right hand of the Father pouring your love out, pouring your grace out, pouring your heart out and your mercy for humanity that I not just be haphazard about it. You know, as we think even of Memorial Day approaching, I was reading some different quotes by Navy SEALs and and their sacrifice and um, one of these quotes said along the lines of how we know this, that freedom isn't free. Freedom comes as a sacrifice. Somebody sacrificed for us to be here today. A mother lost a son. A father lost, you know, there's so much loss around the beauty and the celebration of having this freedom of our country. Freedom to worship. All the things we enjoy Uh, in the United States of America, it was not given, it was purchased with blood. And this Navy SEAL speaks to this, and he says, that's great that you say thank you, but words are not enough to adequately describe uh, your appreciation or your thanksgiving. So the way that you show your appreciation, he said, is now you have to go and live it. So there's this sacrifice made for us on the cross with his body and blood, in his resurrected body, in his ascension, but many of us, we don't take it and go live it. We don't walk in his commandments. We don't bear fruit. Or if we do, we aren't confident about it or we are haphazard about it. So Jesus adds this weight and there's weight in doing these things, but again, you don't do it alone. This is the joy we have. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And some of us need to know even what Paul says is that it's not just one touch of his spirit. We need a touch of his spirit every day of our lives because he says it is be being filled. It is a active verb that every day you have to wake up and say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your life. Breathe into my nostrils because I am a fallen, broken man. And without you, I can do nothing. I cannot go on mission if you don't go with me. And so today, if we can just, bow our head, close our eyes for a moment and just reflect, remember. This is why Jesus, and I pray you're seeing a deeper, fuller picture of communion as we've taken taken it these 40 days, is that he wants, he knows how forgetful we are. This is why he says, you've got to do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget the access you have. Don't forget my blood, my body. That just as his side was pierced on the cross, and the blood and water flowed out, the scriptures say. Picture yourself that that's the blood you're being sprinkled with today the blood of Jesus. And it's through his blood that your story can be changed. That John in verse 20, we read it last week, that it says that there aren't enough pen and paper, there's not enough pieces of paper you can write of the miracles and the signs Jesus did. And I'm telling you today, if you take the time to reflect, to remember, to rightly order your life, to allow him to mature you, not be bound to ch- um uh, Childishness, child being childlike is good. We're supposed to be that, but being childish, you're not going to walk into the fullness and maturity of what He has for you. Before we partake, you can open your eyes for a minute. I want you to hear this. I was reading the rich young ruler this morning, and I've been in this place of, of studying this story. If you know about the rich young ruler. He goes to Jesus and he asks him the question. We all ask this in our lives. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, you know, keep the commandments. And when he says, in keeping the commandments, thank you, Woody, he says, oh, that's great, I've done that. I've loved my neighbor. I've not murdered anybody. I've, um, you know, goes through the list of commandments and kind of very proud about that he's obeyed these commandments. So I'm sure he's awaiting this great answer. He's got money. He has influence. He's this nice kind of cookie-cutter person and and done everything right. But then Jesus, as he does, kind of turns things around. And um, when Jesus, he speaks of perfection here, and he says, um, he gives him the reply. He says, okay, that's great, you've obeyed all these commandments, then why don't you sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And it was in that moment, he tightened up. He got real stiff and said, now wait a second. You know, he he was wrestling in this moment. And when Jesus speaks of perfection, please understand this, it's not in being flawless. When you see the scripture speaking of perfection, it means being in full maturity. You look at this and and, and you study it out. It's in being mature, not being flawless. Don't we read it, though, that when Jesus says, be holy or be perfect as I am perfect, we think, oh, great, I've got to be flawless. It's not in being flawless. It's in being mature. And many of us, we are perpetually enslaved to immaturity in different places in our life. And Jesus is always so good in moments like this. And this is really what the church should be is you should feel his thumb touching the spots of immaturity in our lives. And I don't care how old you are, we will always have immaturity that Jesus needs to touch to bring us into fullness, to bring us into growth, to bring us into the place that he has for us, making us like him. And so today, you can close your eyes again. Can you just say, Jesus, touch my immaturity? Touched the place in me because when you touched the immaturity in the rich young ruler, when the hand was on him, the hand of Jesus, it says that he didn't leap with joy and say, I'll do whatever. I'll, I'll sell and, and for the, the, the pearl of great prize. He didn't say that. He says that he walked away sad. And Jesus, we want to be a church that when your glory, when your presence comes, when you touch us, We not walk away sad, but we say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, take it. Here I am, Lord, I'm going to wrestle with it. Let us not run from him, run to him. Love runs to Jesus, and today we run to you. We don't walk away sad from you. So Holy Spirit, touch us. Deliver the insecurity, the immaturity, the pride. Ego, anger, greed, all the things, the vices that try to attach themselves to your temple, to your church. Oh God, we ask today as we partake of your body and blood, that just is the greatness of our high priest, that you cleanse us, you make us new and pure, that mercy, the, f- the fount of mercy, flows from the Ascended Jesus today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.